Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Alrighty, we are live this morning, 781-837-4900. If anyone has any questions for us, I am in studio here in, uh, in, on this beautiful morning and I am joined this morning by uh, Tim Williams of Flaherty Insurance. Uh-oh, hold on, I can't see you. The equipment is right, right in our line of sight here. Okay. Uh, good morning. We are going to be talking about flood, flood this morning. So thank you, thank you so much for being here, Tim. Yep. Uh, Tim is our is my my flood expert and I know that you're very involved in the coastal coalition and all perhaps different organizations <laughs> that I'm not even aware of and uh, Tim speaks flood insurance very well so that's our plan for this morning is to kind of talk about flood and yeah. uh, insurance and property casualty you know property insurance in general so um, do you want to take a minute or whatever to just do a little background on yourself yeah so I um, <clears throat> like Thank you for the introduction. Uh, I do work at Flaherty Insurance. Um, you know, our office handles commercial insurance as well as personal insurance. Yep. Um, strictly just um, property and casualty. We're not into doing life insurance or any of the other okay. ancillary things. Yep. Um, my focus is primarily on personal insurance, working in um, flood insurance, home, auto, working with... Uh, residential customers and, you know, them coming out to me and asking those questions. Yeah. Um, I am part of the Massachusetts Coastal Coalition. We were formerly the Marshfield Coastal Coalition. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, we had changed that over probably last year. We went to Massachusetts Coastal Coalition okay. for various reasons was 
we were finding communities having the same issues as Marshfield. Yeah, to expand your footprint. Expand right? our footprints, do a little bit more um, legislative lobbying, have a little bit more um, influence on what the state matters are as well as also federal. Yeah. You know, so um, that was one of the main reasons we did that, yeah. that, that switch. Okay. So. And so your website is flaherityinsurance.com, right? Correct. Okay. And I know you have a Facebook page, Tim Williams Flaherty Insurance, if anyone yes. wants to reach out to you. Um, so where I thought we would start this morning is, is like a background on flood insurance and sure. the National Flood Insurance Program and yep. FEMA, yep. because I feel like it's, I mean, it's evolved a lot in the last eight, seven, eight years, right? It's certainly more, uh, I think people are more hyper aware of it, I'll say. Yeah. Um, you know than it was probably in the early, late 70s when it first came around. Okay. So I, I did quick research and, and I feel like we've done flood insurance shows in the past, not with yep. you, but with uh, previous you know uh, yeah. colleagues of yours. And um, my head spins every time we do a flood insurance show, but <laughs> but I think it's just because it's it's changed so much. Yeah. And there's been a lot of unknowns in the last several years regarding what people, you know, who was going to be in the flood zone, what were the flood zones or the ma how the Correct. maps changed yep. and what was going to be my insurance premium. Still going on. Am I still on the flood? Okay. <laughs> so... Um, but you know, I just, so I just did some quick research. So, so the national, so first of all, is there only, are there private carriers that insure for flood or is it only the national, the no, federal there, program? There are a lot of private carriers now. There okay, are a lot so of different there. options. Okay. Um, and the private carriers underwriting is vastly different between each private carrier. Okay. Um, so some will have a very agent advantageous premium. Others will say, I'm not writing this. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Yeah, there are a lot more options now for, for clients, um, as long as you've had no losses, you know. Right. So the private carriers will... Will only insure you if you have not had a prior loss? For the last five years. Okay. So they will look at, you know, certain areas that they feel like they can be profitable at, and, you know, and, and insure your risk. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to go and write something that's, you know, right along the water that's always going to be Well, of course not, because they're a business and they are, right, they're in the business Correct. of being right. in business. So they, yeah, they, yep. they have to be aware of what they will cover and they are, they want to be able to take in more premiums than they pay out in claims because it's a business. So <laughs> exactly. that makes sense. So can we, can we talk about the, but the, so the federal program has been around for a really long time. Correct. Right. Right? Correct. Not, not necessarily. Well, have there was it more common for someone to be in have a have a policy through the federal program if they were in like Texas, Florida, Louisiana, or has it always have people always been? No, has it always been I that common around here? Run, yeah, I think it. Well. Not as, I don't think it was as known because the premiums weren't as high. Back okay, then. so, so it, people it's been were around, it, but, but okay. You know, and this all started because, you know, home insurance, basically the carrier said, we're not covering flood anymore. Right. So, you know, all of a sudden it's... Because after all, because storms have been more frequent in the last decade or two than previously and more claims being paid out. Yeah, well, that started early on. It's also the number one claim. So they, oh, they know... Okay that that's, it was a risk that they didn't want to take on. Yeah. So all of a sudden insurance, they didn't have any insurance carriers. So they said, we have to create this national program. Okay. So when was that? Was that 30 or 40 years ago? Yeah. Oh, okay. Least, yeah. It was back in the seventies when it first started out. Okay. So that was part of the reason they, they developed the program. Okay. Um, Cause it is, you know, 
insurance carriers that we're not covering this anymore. Yeah, so, so there needed to be a program for people to participate in. And then, but but there's been so much buzz about it in the last, I guess, what is this, five, six, seven years? And is that related to increasing storms and premiums had to increase as a result because the federal insurance program was no longer, it was it was in debt, right? And they had to adjust premiums yeah, as a it result? Was, it was profitable for a while as far as the premiums they were taking in, but the problem was Congress was spending that money for the premiums they were taking in. Okay. So all of a sudden Katrina hits and right. Katrina, right. The, the money isn't right. there. And then the, the program since then, you know, the storms have been certainly more frequent when you look at Harvey and Irene and Sandy. And yeah. Yeah. You name them. They're all over the place. Right. Um, but I took a look, um, since 96 through 2016 in Plymouth County, yeah, the number of flooding events um, in Plymouth County. Oh, do you want me to guess? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so wait. So this is 20 years, yeah, the number of flooding events. From 90, 1996 to 2016. In Massachusetts or in Marshall? Plymouth County. In Plymouth County. Yeah, Plymouth County. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. It's, it's interesting stats. I didn't tally them all up, but we can go by year. I was so, thinking I would guess, but then I realized yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. So let's see. We got uh, so, 1996, there were three events. Oh, wow. Then in 98, in there was one. Then they didn't get another event till 2003. Then there were two oh, events. Oh, the five, yeah. Then 05, three events. 06, six events. 07, three events. 08, three events. 09, two events. 2010, three events. So 11, one event. <laughs> Every year, so since, it's clearly more common now than it was. Yeah, a since 2005 ago. To, right up to 2016, there's an event every year. Wow! And then you know, if you're looking at yeah. them, you know, 15, we had four events. You remember that was a, the nor'easter after nor'easter. Okay, in yeah, March. I remember that in Marshfield. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so you know, reason being, you know, I'm not an expert, but you know, climate change and rising seas and all these things. Yeah, are that's certainly definitely a issue. concern, and yeah. you know, I think communities have to plan for that. You know, and yeah. figure out you know, what's going to happen as far as mitigation, you know, and that's something that we're trying to work on. You know, the federal program has some grants, but they take three years for you to get your money back, you know, and you've got to figure out a way to get a loan. So yeah. one of the things we're looking at, you know, is trying to do something in the state level to create a mitigation fund um, where people might be able to get a loan, um, a low cost, low interest loan. Yeah. A revolving fund to, to mitigate their home, maybe raise it and put it on okay. piers or okay. put in flood vents or just raise your make mechanicals so they're not in that lower level. Yeah. Um, so that would be, you know, something that we <clears throat> hope to do because it's just something that, um, you know, a lot of people can't go get a loan because if they're just raising their house, they don't have the equity or right, right. when it's finished, or the cash. it's, right. you know, you don't have It's not worth, it's not like value. it's worth more when it's finished Correct. because it's worth less now because right. it's in the, the flood Correct. zone. Yeah. yeah. So that's something we're trying to figure out at the state level. So X number of years ago, I, what was it like less than 10 years ago, right? These new flood maps came out. Is that, are the, the new, the FEMA flood maps were changed not that many years ago. Yeah, FEMA will come into communities. They're supposed to do it every five years okay. and, and redo a community's flood maps. Okay. So, you know, that was, um, and it's still a, an issue here. Marshfield and Duxbury, you know, have appealed their maps. Duxbury's have been approved. Marshfield's are still kind of pending. Yeah. Um, but that's an issue that, you know, um, had to deal a lot with uh, the 
trying to figure out the word, the wave setup that they had. FEMA had a, used what they call like a Pacific Coast model to oh, okay. model their mapping. And what was happening in a lot of areas is the wave setup is six feet because on the Pacific Coast, the waves will build up, build up, build up. And then yeah. and when they hit the shore and that's creating more flooding, you don't have those kind of... It's different on the East Coast. Top of, t- topography here on the East Coast is completely different sure. than, the, than sure. the West. Sure. So, um, you know, a lot of consulting firms like Woods Hole Group and Ransom Consulting are out there, you know, looking at maps and finding inefficiencies where they're trying to get those fixed. So, so. when the when FEMA came in and redid our flood maps, yep. do, you, do you know the statistics as far as like how many additional people were all of a sudden in a flood zone that they weren't before? Was it just that more people <clears throat> were in a flood zone or was that, was it that? It certainly added people into the flood zone, you know, and um, it's... I don't have the exact statistic on exactly how many homes have been added, but they definitely have, um, you know, also would increase like your base flood elevation. Okay. That's so, what I was so trying to, yeah. Cause there's some different. Some might be in like an AE 10 and all of a sudden now you're at AE 16 and that's what I'm talking about. That six feet wave setup. Okay. It's like, we're I mean, not going to have 16 feet of water come, you know, rolling through a, a neighborhood. Not. Yeah. You probably, uh, you know, I some areas hope may not, hope yeah. not. That would be a pretty big storm. But um, so that's kind of where, you know, they're cor- doing a lot of the corrections. And there's certainly okay. going to be some areas that, that are out. One of the new things with FEMA now is they're going to have this uh, real risk rating 2.0. Oh. So they're going to get away from going to maps and no longer have a line where it might come through your property or yeah. next to your property. It's just going to be, you know, you're in the special flood hazard area, you're out. Okay. So real risk rating will be... Oh, there's a buzzing noise in here, Tim, but it's yeah. gone. We're good. Right. So um, <laughs> one of the things for that, where the real risk rating is no longer, let's say, you know, I'm on the beach wall. You know, I have a home there, but y- your home is a mile back. Right. Your rate will be completely different than my rate right now. Regardless of elevation. Re- well, they'll take elevation okay. into, into consideration for each individual home. So now okay. the real risk rating is right, going to be a true risk rating based on what they see. So they'll do that through like LIDAR technology and look at ground elevations. Also look at where your home is located to the to the hazard, you know, or if you're in a low-lying area, they might consider that, you know, a different premium rating. So, so it's been it, delayed, but okay. it's not Is this the federal government doing it or the private insurance carriers? Federal government's doing it okay. to kind of catch up to some of the private market. Okay. the private market has this technology available and they're, that's what they use to kind of rate risk. You know, okay. so they can they might look in an area and say this is probably not as high of a risk than than another area. So yeah, um, that's been delayed till October 2021 because there was just too much concern over trying to get it done and do it right. Um, you know, if we all remember Bigot Waters from 2013, um, people who had flood insurance, the premiums were going from like a fifteen hundred to four thousand dollar premiums, and people yeah. were screaming. You know, I, I can remember so, like. <laughs> Whenever the flood maps were were redone, I feel like it was was it more than five years ago now when they were first redone and that and the yeah, things changed right, significantly. Yeah. yeah, right around 2013 was when bigot waters okay. came rolling out and that okay. was a big issue in the town. Yeah, so I I can just remember people. I had lots of meetings right after those maps came out with people that some were clients and some were just people looking for some advice. All of a sudden, their flood insurance premiums or all you know either they weren't in the flood zone and now they are and they're looking at premiums in the multi-thousand dollar per yeah, year. Yeah. I feel like somebody came in and thought that their premium was going to be like ten or $15,000 a year. And those but those it, could be too. Yeah, they were definitely that yeah. way. Yeah, and it's uh, it was a tough struggle um, to get that 
so, overturned and fixed. Okay, so so but we're so. And that's still in a work in progress. I mean, those maps. Getting well, those the, fixed, the right? real risk rating is going to be um, some feedback in my headphone there. Uh, uh -huh. The real risk reading, they're definitely going to roll to it. It's just a question of when. Okay. I always, I feel this is going to be an evolving thing. There are going to be bugs. There are going to be problems with it. Yeah. They'll have you know 3.0 after 2.0. Yeah. Have to keep kind of updating it. Okay. You know, but one of the things I think when you know, we talk flood. You know, and a lot of people like, well, I'm not in the flood zone. I get that all the time. Yeah. I'm like, well, everybody's in a flood zone. It's whether you're in a special hazard flood area or you're outside of that. Okay. So. And the, know, sorry, what's in the special hazard flood special area? Special flood it hazard area. depends on your elevation, it's right? A, it, no, it's not elevation. It's just whether how, if you're, you have a higher probability uh, to okay. flood. And how close so you are to the water. Yeah. So that's mandated by the mortgage companies and says, if you're in a special flood hazard area and you have a mortgage, you're going to have to get flood insurance. Okay. So the banks are usually notifying some customers or if yeah. you're buying a property, you have to be notified that, you know, you have, you need flood insurance. Yeah. So those areas typically have what they call like a... Um, a hundred year flood. I hate that term. I've so. heard I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So Which so, is like there's a one percent chance of your home being flooded if you're in correct. some areas, right? Correct. So okay. that's a one percent chance. But yeah. what statistically you don't live in your home for, for one year. So right. the the statistic if you're in a hundred year floodplain of a chance of you flooding, you want to take a guess? What are the chances that you, percentage you mean, you of mean, you flooding if you were in, you in a hundred year flood plain in a special flood hazard area? What's your probability you think you've, of, of you flooding? In any given year if or you were for just, the duration? If you were of just your... living in your home. I don't know. 26%. Oh, okay. So, so it's more than a 1%. It's chance. not 1% because you don't live in your home for one year. So if you live in a 30 year mortgage and you're in your home, you have a 26% chance of you occurring a flood. Okay. Whereas a fire is like 9%. So this is why yeah, the federal yeah, yeah, program yeah. came about. Oh, like I said, that makes sense, yeah. Um, because there's such a high probability in those areas for that. You know, and then there's probably five-year flood, but also there's, you know, 25% of the claims that we have are outside of the special flood hazard area. Oh, wow. That's a high percentage. So, of the flood claims that you have. Yes. So, so flood is, you know, always, is always going to be there and a lot of, some of it could be development. So if you think about like, you know, you have a home and you know, you're at a lower elevation, but now development comes in and they build a parking lot and there's no more trees and, oh, and yeah, things yeah. around your area. Yeah, and now yeah. you get runoff from rainstorms. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, the definition of a flood is an inundation of water of two or more acres or two or more properties okay. of normally dry land. Okay. That's the. FEMA NFIP definition. So when I think about climate change and I think about storm frequency, what I get more concerned about is a 10 or 12 inch rainstorm and these communities not having the stormwater drainage, drainage or, or yeah. waste capacity to kind of handle these intense frequency, you know, rains that come in maybe in three hour period. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it's rain. that uncommon to have that many inches of rain, right? Well, I mean, this area hasn't seen it. You know, our vegetation's pretty good at absorbing, okay. you know, but if you get, you look at places like Texas and, you know, some of these Midwest states where the, you know, along the riverines, they, um, <laughs> there's like a beeping in here. Can you hear that, Tim? Yeah. So, um, do you hear that beeping? All right. Oh, and then every once in a while it goes away. It sounds like a radio or something. <laughs> no worries. If you, if you can't hear it on the air, we're good. So um, um, that's one of the things that, you know, I look at is, 
so for flooding, it's not just about how close you are to, to the ocean or, you know, if you're in a low lying area and you, you could get flooded. So it's something to consider, you know, or if you're in because a area, rain, right. Just because a line comes through your property or next door to your property, it's not a reason not to consider flood insurance. It's just something you probably should look at, you know, and you probably get a pretty favorable rate at getting it insured, you know. So is is flood insurance only mandatory mandatory if you're in that special flood zone? What's it called? It, yes, the special flood hazard the area. special flood hazard area. That's when it's mandatory if you have a mortgage. If you have a mortgage, correct. Okay. And okay. in this state, it's mandatory to what you what you owe on your mortgage or your replacement cost. The amount of cost. your coverage. Yeah, okay. so if you only have $100,000 on your mortgage, you only have to really have 100000 or whatever your replacement cost is, whatever's lower. So, okay. you know, some people will only take out what they owe for a mortgage because they can't afford the premiums and other people are in trying to insure up to that, you know, $250,000 limit, which is what the max is you can buy. Oh, that's that. the max flood you can buy. Through, through the federal program or through right. private carriers? Through the federal program. Private carriers, will, some of them will go up as, you know, most of them will go up to 500000 Some will go higher than that. And some carriers will allow you to buy excess insurance. So you can actually, you know, if you had a million and $1.5 million home and yeah. you have 250000 through one program you can buy excess up to the full amount. I'm assuming that a lot of the a lot of homes on the coast who clearly are in the special or are probably yep. in the special hazardous flood zone are very expensive properties. So two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of coverage through the federal program might not be nearly sufficient for many of those properties. Yeah, it, it could no. be. No, you're you're right on that, and it just depends on what the the, the flood is and the, and the frequency. Most of the flood claims are going to be a lower dollar amount. So if you look at a policy, okay. you know the first sixty thousand has a higher premium charge per thousand than the the rest of the premium because a vast majority of claims are under sixty thousand. Correct. Okay. So that's the way they kind of look at the flood. They just say, okay, you know, so most of the claims, you know, it's not knocking the building off of its piers or foundation, you know, because you have some tsunami come rolling through. All right, but, let's hope not, yeah. But, you know, even one inch of water can cause, you know, $15,000 of damage. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah. So that's the, the flip side of it. So it's kind of. So is so is what you're saying is that it's not all that expensive to get more coverage than sixty thousand dollars relative to the um, depending per, on where you are that the per, premiums are yeah. all over the place yeah, so okay. it, it's hard for me to say what what the cost would be I mean if you're in a V zone obviously the premium is a lot more than it would be if you're in a an A zone so a V zone how many zones are there. Uh, let's see. My head, my head's starting to spin. Yeah. No, 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 not too bad. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, how many it. zones are there? So there, I'm trying to think. There's B, C, D, X, um, A, and V. So, and then there's so different that, variations. Six or seven, yeah. Yeah, and there are different variations of that. So V is the, the velocity zone. This is the the area you're right on the, the water, and, okay. and the water is coming at, at a velocity. High speed. High speed. High winds, high speed Yeah, high A speed is water. typically more uh, standing water. It's coming into an area and coming through there. Okay. Um, then there's unmapped areas that they haven't done yet, or then um, X is, you know, a preferred zone. You know, so they have different zones for different ratings. Yeah. Um, so if you have like a million dollar home in a V zone, which is the worst zone yep. from a flood insurance point of view, yep. it's probably a beautiful plot of land, yep. right? Yep. But if you have like a million dollar home in that zone, yep. and let's say there's a mortgage on it of half a million, yep. can you ballpark what flood insurance would be? Are you talking 
No, because... 2000 a year or like 15000 Because they rate it based on how that structure is. So if you're in a V-zone and you have, um, let's say you're... Prior you, claims you, you, or, Well, no. Oh. Claims matter, too. Yeah, okay. But I'm thinking more like if you have a basement versus a house that's on piers and you're elevated to a certain point. So a lot of this comes down to your elevation. Okay. So if you're a half a million, you have a half, half a million on a mortgage on a, you know, a million dollar home, yeah. but you're... V, v zone elevation 18 is your base flood elevation and your home's at 21 feet. Yeah. And you haven't had any claims, yeah. you might have a $500 premium. Okay, because you're but on pilings. if or you're yeah. negative nine in your new firm, you could be looking at, you know, $10,000, $15,000 in premium. Okay. So it really depends on how that structure is, when it was built, yeah. how it was built, and what its elevation is, and if it's had any losses. So a lot goes into it. So as you drive around Marshfield in particular, and yep. in lots of other surrounding communities, I'm sure, that, you know, that here and there, homes are going up on pilings. Is that what those are called? Yep. Homes yep. are being Piers, elevated. Pilings. Piers, pilings. Um, so that... First of all, do you have any concept of how much that costs? I go um, I googled it, but I don't know how reliable yeah, Google so, is at so that. I used to I don't know. I used to use a number of like twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars per piling. Per piling. So if you had thirty pilings, oh, you could be looking wow. at ninety thousand yeah. dollars or a little bit more plus okay. engineering costs. Yeah, yeah. So it could take you, you know, a hundred thousand dollars to to elevate your home to that level. It could be you know depends on the size of the home and what has to be done and yeah, but if your if your flood insurance premium goes from fifteen thousand dollars to five hundred dollars a year, right? Like you get you know right. you get that number one, you could get that back, right? Depending well, I, on how long you're going to stay there, or it's more sellable at that point, right? Absolutely, and that's you, something that I look at. Yeah. You know, when these premiums are out here and they get to that level of twenty thousand dollars and thirty thousand dollars, I say to myself, why would you? Just find a way to pay your mortgage off. Go to a loan shark. I, I don't, you know. Yeah, I, you I know, sit there and I'm like, this is crazy. Well, we're going to have to talk about that after the yeah. break. We have a break coming up in a minute. But, but the flip side of that is that if if you pay off your mortgage and you don't carry insurance and you're in a high risk area and then yeah. your home floods Absolutely. and you don't have the money, yeah. it, you know, and you don't have the insurance, then if that's your primary residence, I know it's crazy. Then it's, it's, it's where do you tough, go? It's what a do tough you do? Like, that's for a, people to figure out. I mean, you're, you're, the statistics were pretty crazy that. You know, there's a 27% chance of any home, yeah. right, yeah. being yeah. flooded. and so and of 100-year yeah. flood. Yeah, I mean, so that's pretty scary to think that for the people that are in a flood zone or have a low elevation or near the water but don't have right. the insurance, that's pretty scary to think about too, unless it's their second property and they right. have another residence. But um, All right, we're just going to take a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm joined this morning by Tim Williams of Flaherty Insurance. We're talking about flood insurance this morning. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money, educating the investors of the South Shore and the Merrimack Valley. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Just noticed some technical difficulties here in studio. Don't mind me, but my um, my co-host this morning is Tim Williams of Flaherty Insurance. We are talking about flood insurance this morning. Uh, good morning, Tim. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I, sometimes we, uh, as you know, sometimes we videotape these shows, but I think my camera... Oh, there we go. My camera's back on, I think. 
Anyway, <laughs> pardon me. We're live in studio this morning, 781-837-4900. If you're listening in Marshfield and want and have any questions regarding flood insurance or property and casualty insurance, uh, Tim is a flood and property and casualty insurance expert with Flaherty Insurance. And you can find him at flahertyinsurance.com, right, Tim? Yep. Or Tim Williams Flaherty Insurance on Facebook. Um, we are... So all things flood insurance this morning, if anyone has any questions. Um, we talked about a hundred things before the break <laughs> and I kind of wanted to follow up with sure. some of them. Um, can we talk a little bit more about the, the federal flood insurance program sure. and the private carriers? Yep. So how, yep. first of all, how many private carriers are there? Is there like two or is there like 15? Uh, it's probably... It's state specific, right? Like what about... I'd say there's probably five to eight carriers out there, you know, and there are more coming online, you know, and they're all, most of them are backed by Lloyd's of London and the syndicate. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. So most of it's Lloyd's of London and unwritten by them, but they're different programs. So each carrier, like there's Hiscox is a national catastrophe insurance program. There's, um, other carriers like dual out there. They're, they're all various degrees of the private carriers and how they, how they look at their market. Lloyd's is known for covering high-risk insurances, right? So yep. I guess that makes sense yeah. that a lot of so, them would be so backed by Lloyd's. Lloyd's is a pool, yep, and yep. they look at, you know, they'll they'll go in there and look at your program and make sure that you're you're doing it correctly. You know, there are times when, the you know, private's got a lot of advantages to it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the one disadvantage to it is that they can leave the state anytime they they want. And what, so, about, what about policyholders that, for the, what about their current policyholders? What happens when they leave the state? Well, that's what they got to go find out another carrier. Oh. They get notified and they got to go scramble. To you have X coverage. number of days to get new coverage. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, the one thing with the federal program is you're, as long as the federal program's operating, you're, you have your coverage. Okay. But, you know, I think when you look at the, the flood carriers, you just got to make sure you're with a good carrier that's doing their underwriting properly. And, you know, because there are times that it has happened and they've left because number one, they, the, the outfit might not have been underwriting the claim, you know, pricing their, po under pricing their policies or underwriting them correctly, okay. you know, and, uh, looking at that or not following the guidelines. Um, yeah. and then when storms come in, sometimes they can just say we're out and this happens more like in Florida, other areas like that. So it's something that, um, you know, but it's advantageous too. There are, there are times yeah. when they're the flood program with, with, FEMA doesn't really make tons of sense from a premium standpoint, whereas a private can come in and write something for five, seven hundred dollars and instead of a two thousand dollar premium that you might find with the NFIP. So the NFIP is the, is the national program, right. the federal the national program, right? Flood so insurance program. I read some some statistic about post Hurricane Katrina, I think it was, or maybe it was post Sandy. The federal program was twenty five million dollars in debt, or something, so, and some huge amount of debt. Yep. And so we talked yep. about how that, you know, now here we are, fast forward, and and um, premiums being adjusted upward as a result to ensure sustain financial sustainability of the federal program. Right? That was well. That's one of the things that um, you know a lot of the the Northeast struggles a little bit than the rest of the country as far as you know. One of the things we have a lot of grandfathered homes, or we have what they call pre firm versus post firm. So okay. I think I should start there a little. Yeah. Bit. What does that mean? Yeah. And then I'll get into that the debt program because there a lot of people will get rid of the program and. You know, that's not a solution either because okay. the, the National Flood Insurance Program, like it or not, saves this country money. 
You know, we've had over $400 billion in property casualty losses in this country from wildfires and floods. Wow. Yeah. And it just is more frequent and we see it on the news yeah. all the time. Yeah. So the NFIP sets the guidelines for building standards and floodplain management. It's the only floodplain management tool that they have to make sure people get insurance because there's very little people in this country are insured for flood. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of set guidelines for new construction standards. So from a flood perspective. From a flood perspective. Okay. So you can like in Marshfield, we know that you you know that when Hurricane uh, the blizzard of seventy eight came in, you know, that elevation was around ten feet. So okay. the town's building standards set everything to elevation eleven thereafter. Okay. You know, yeah. You have to be that at elevation sense, yeah. eleven to build a new home. So these are the types of things that they're doing across the country now when you're, you know, whether you're in Louisiana or, you know, Man. down along the Mississippi, wherever you are, and every state has had a flood event. So it's not like there's oh. not one state, or, you know, everyone's had a disaster to it. So that's a, yes, it was $25 billion in debt, but if the program wasn't there, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. So they're, so Congress is trying to reauthorize it and they're trying to look at ways to, to improve that. But back to my point of the Northeast and pre-firm versus post-firm. Yeah. So pre-firm are structures that are built prior to the flood insurance rate maps. So most communities might be 75, 77, or 1978. Okay. Um, these structures were built prior to a flood insurance rate map coming into the community. Before we even had any sort of a map. Right. So it's any floodplain management okay. guidelines on whether you needed to have, be at a certain elevation or okay. whatnot. So they're not trying to penalize that homeowner. They didn't, because the builders didn't know, the homeowner didn't know. Right. right. At there that time. A, okay. Right. So now there's, you know, then there's M the Meaning people. rates are l more favorable. They're, yeah. As long as you had continuous coverage, they're going to give you like a pre-firm subsidized rate okay. because they're saying, well, it's not really your fault. That, that makes sense. You, yeah. You know, you live in a ranch and it was built down by the beach and they didn't know in 1950 that, you know, right, the, right. the flood was going to be whatever it is. Right. Um, then there's post firm, which is after the flood insurance rate map. And you can have your policies grandfathered based on, you know, built into compliance. Um, so if you built your house in 2005 and the base flood elevation was, you know, 10 feet yeah. and you built accordingly to that, they yeah. can rate you based on when you were, your home was built. Even even time. if the elevation, the base elevation changes. Yeah, so maybe that. now it's, you know, AE16, but your home was built in AE10, you can go and get that rated properly. Okay. I think we see a lot of misrating out there from, from um, you know, I'm not picking on insurance agents, but I think it's a complicated matter. And, you know, sometimes these people are dealing with just home or auto and will yeah. rate something and not, ask the questions to the consumers. So the, the the insurance company is potentially misrating because they haven't physically seen the property? Yeah, they it's not really the insurance company. Well, it's more the, I okay. put it on the agent. Okay. Because the agent's got to talk to the to the client, you know? And so if you're, if I'm talking to you and say, well, you know, I substantially improved my home. Yes, it was built in 1930, but we went up in year 2000 and I elevated it and, yeah. and did all this work to it. Then you probably should have rated it then you you're know, according to that elevation certificate or whatever you did at that time. So there's a lot more that goes into it than just looking at, 
you know, some people just pulling out an assessor's town card and saying, oh, the home was built in 1964 and this is what my, you know, what my rate's going to be. And are there still things you can do like um, regarding the drainage around your property and things like that to help your flood rating? Did I make that up or I feel like there were ways to put in like, um, I don't know what they were called, like something surrounding your property for for drainage reasons. They have, a lot of places have what they call smart vents now. So let's say you have a foundation that, you know, is soft solid block wall and it's really you know a basement that you're not finishing that's in the flood zone you can build in these smart vents that basically each vent covers about 300 square feet of the 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 perimeter of the basement so if you put enough of these in they open and close to mitigate the water so during a flooding event they'll open push the water through and it will open up on the other side and let the water out so this way it's Hmm. not you know coming around the house and they'll rate you properly for that. So okay. you, there, there are things you can do like that. Um, just simply raising your mechanicals and getting them out of the basement and up into the first floor will help a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, you know, sometimes Your it's, electric box and things like that, is that what you're yeah, talking about? Yeah, generators yeah. And, oh. and your your hot water heater okay. and your furnace. Oh, okay. Some of those things are, they're covered under your building coverage on an NFIP policy. It's considered part of the building, but you really want to try and get those things out of your basement and up and to the first floor if right, you can or something right, like that. Right. Because those are some of the claims you see. Even on my house, which is, um, you know, when I when I bought it, they, they told me two years later I yeah, had flood insurance, which <laughs> was crazy. You're saying you're down by the water, yeah. Which, yeah, yeah. You, you know, the mortgage companies and these banks will get penalized if they didn't notify it. So it's a big deal now. Back when the boom was going on in the early 2000s, I think there were some banks getting fined because they didn't know or checking on if you're in a flood zone. If you're zone in the flood zone. Yeah. yeah. So now, like, you know, FEMA will send out a notice to the property owner if there's been any losses in the property. And um, to the new property owner? What do you Yeah, to the okay. new property owner. Because yeah. losses go by in flood insurance. It's not like the homeowner. The losses go by the actual the property. property. So but, it's, you got to be careful when you're purchasing a house or you have a house to know that loss history because all of a sudden. How do you it, find that out? Can you contact FEMA to find that out if you're a buyer? You should find out from the from the seller, or you know, FEMA will notify you of any losses. It's it's tough to do, and the agents will find out if it's a severe repetitive loss. Okay. You know, it'll notify us. It will just tell us that you know this property has losses. You know, but it's you can't go and you know a, a regular person can't go and it's guarded information. You know, we we're not allowed oh, to okay. go down to town hall and ask oh, okay. somebody, hey, what, what's this property? Is there any? they can't tell you. Even that. if you're a bri- a buyer. A prospective buyer? The, well, that's going to be disclosed by the, the seller. So, okay. you know, that's so you're something. trusting yeah, the seller and the, the seller. The seller, and that's why you have closing attorneys and, and okay. things of that nature to kind of make sure you're getting what you're getting. But yeah, so like even on my house, I, you know, we, we get a notice from FEMA that, um, you know, there was a claim in 1991 during the no-name storm. And uh, you had no idea when you bought it? No, you know, but it was for a floor furnace that was in the crawl space at the time. Okay. So it was like, you know, water had gotten into the crawl space and kicked out the floor furnace for $1,500. No, I wouldn't have probably put in a claim for that. Right. Because that doesn't make any sense. Okay. So it's kind of, you know, trying to manage your your property and, and know when to put in claims and, and what to look at. So if I'm, uh, if I'm thinking about purchasing a house or I put in yeah. an offer on a house and yeah. I call you and I say, this house is in the flood plain, the flood zone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. what, 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 what is your process from there as far as determining the federal program versus a private carrier versus what zone are you in, range of premiums? Like what's your process? Yeah. So I'll look at, um, 
you know, I'll go online, I'll look at the house, and, you know, in today's day and age is usually, you know, li- multiple list, you know, services, listing services yeah. that have photos. and Yeah. So I'll get a good sense from that. Um, I'll also go to the town hall records and the assessor's card to take a look at, you know, how the structure, when it was built, if there's any additions. Is that so, why you're always in town hall? Uh, no, like no, you can do that online. Like, oh, down to town hall. No, 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 you can do it all <laughs> online now. I wish, but you can do it all online. Oh, okay, okay. So, but you'll see things on there too. You'll A lot of the assessor's cards will, you know, you can see if there's been any building or additions. Um, that's one of the red flags I usually use because I try and match them up to storm sometimes. So sometimes you'll see oh what do you mean so like if oh, I, like put like th- th- we had to do something after a storm because yeah of a so storm if like you see 2015 uh, and like in march and all of a sudden you see a big building improvement you know uh, okay april or may you're like hmm and doesn't necessarily so, come with a flood insurance claim right no so it, you it mean, might like, not it, yeah. yeah but so we'll look at things like that but then i'll look at you know try and figure out you know, ground elevation, you know, you can go on to the GIS maps and you can see where the home's located, kind of get a feel for the flood map. You'll, okay. you'll, get, you'll look at the flood map, yeah. see where it is. Um, and then, you know, we'll look at the NFIP quotes and then I'll run it through three or four different private flood carriers to see what their rates look like. Yeah. What, how are the rates generally comparable between private and the f- federal program? Uh, no. Which yeah. one's cheaper, the federal? Pro- uh, it, it depends on where you are. Oh, um, just, so I, oh, okay. uh, for instance, uh, there was a, a person that um, purchased a home in a V zone in Hingham, and um, the NFIP was quoting it at, mm, I think the seller had a premium of seven eight thousand dollars a year, and a uh, private carrier quoted it at eight hundred. Wow. So, and that was because they knew that area was never going to flood. It's just an area like it was built up on a hill a little bit. There's a vast amount of marsh between it. So that private care is like, we'll take that risk. We don't see a lot of risk there. Interesting. Um, so it, it, it really depends on where it's at and what it's located. And it, it's, I never know, you know, I do know, but it's, you know, you have an idea based on where the structures are Yeah. and kind of once you get familiar with a town and kind of how the flooding is and where it's at you you get a sense of what might be good and what what might not um we're, we have a caller so we'll go to tom from kingston good morning the good tom morning. how are you tom i'm uh, doing good good hi tom hi tim how are you good what's matt dan didn't want to come in <laughs> <laughs> no. sorry i get two questions sure uh I have a friend that lives in Marshfield, and everybody's irritated by that flood insurance. Yep. Seems like. Uh, you mentioned there are other carriers that uh, have the flood insurance. Are you able to save money, or are they all within a dollar of each other? Um, so By shopping Yeah, around. we were just talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, So let's, totally let's, depends, let's go into yeah. Tom's question a little bit. So this is something that I, I find a lot. Um, of people on the, um, the NFIP will have the same rate for their 80 carriers. So so the okay. NFIP is underwritten by several, or it's a write-your-own carriers. Okay. So when I talk about the NFIP, you'll have um, Wright National Flood, Selective, Hartford, um, USAA. So anything that's done through that program. But they're all just the federal program. They're all the federal program. If it's underwritten properly and rated the same way, you should have the same, same rate. Same premium, okay. But when you get in, Tom, to private insurance carriers, the private insurance carriers can give you a very different rate. And there are, you know, four to five different carriers. Some might decline the option. Some might actually give you a rate. So when I look at it, it's vastly different um, 
for, for premiums. And it's so not is like... It worth, is it worth shopping around? Uh, it could be, yeah. I think it's definitely worth, um, you know, reaching out and finding out if, you know, you know, if you can find a different carrier. There are... But you have to look at the the NFIP policy too to make sure you're not losing grandfathering and things like that either. So um, there are uh, reasons why you might want to keep it or might not. So it's okay. everybody's situation's different, but I would say it's worth exploring for sure. Does your friend have the federal is in the federal program or does he have a He's private in the care? federal program and he says oh, you know what he want to do? He want to take money out of his retirement account to pay off his house because his thinking insurance is so high. Yep. Yep. But I see you do that, then you have to pay, you know, your taxes and everything else on it. Right. And then but you, you have... get so irritated by it that it's like, you know what? It's worth it. Just to, it's, no, don't be doing silly things like that. Right. Uh, the second question I have, if your mortgage gets down to a lower rate, I'm sorry, lower amount, say, for example, 100 or less, and you only have like two, three years left on your mortgage, could you take out a home equity line of credit? pay off your mortgage, would that avoid the insurance? Uh, I think is the, I think the question yeah. is, is a home equity line of credit a mortgage in the insurance case? Yeah, I think Whatever it's such that... Say, yeah, yeah I would say that, 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 you know, as long as the, the bank isn't... I don't want to say that it's a bank thing, but I would say the, if you are out, don't have the mortgage anymore and it's an equity line of credit, I don't know if they would make you force you to have that mortgage anymore because you've paid off the note. Force you to have the flood insurance coverage, Correct. you mean? Correct. Yep. I would imagine, is that bank specific? Whether or not... I bet you it would be. You know, That's got to be in the fine print. When you take out a home equity line of credit, that's <coughs> got to be in the fine print of all that stuff that you sign, right? Whether or not... I yeah, because I don't know if they know exactly what you're using the equity line of credit for, you know, but I mean, it would be in the fine print. We'd have to look at that, Tom. It's a good question. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. I mean, if, if you're required to carry flood insurance, if you have a mortgage, a home equity line of credit is essentially a mortgage. It's just in a right. different form. I would imagine you're still required to carry the flood insurance having but, a know, home equity like line said, versus a traditional mortgage, but I don't... We were saying earlier, Tom, like you said, if you have only a couple of years left and your mortgage is $40,000, all you're required to have for flood insurance is $40,000. Um, so that might be something you can alter too. So know, do, to people, premium down. do people oh. ratchet down their... Do people ratchet down their flood insurance coverage as their mortgage gets smaller? Like for the people that have really high flood insurance um, premiums? Yeah, they, they would for sure. Yeah. So, you know, if you only have $75,000 left, some people you might just say, you know what, I'm going to alter my flood insurance to cover that $75,000. Yeah. And that's something oh, that's interesting to know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Tim was saying you only have to carry enough flood insurance to, to equal the amount of your mortgage on the property. Okay, because the guy that, like I said, was that lives in Marshfield, he says he lives on the river there. Yep. And in all the years that he's lived there, never had a problem he's up on a hill. Yep. Oh, yep. yeah. And it's like, why do I have to cover this? It will never happen in a million years, blah, 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 you know. Yep. And now his mortgage is coming down. He's looking at ways to, you know, do away with it. You know, he was forced to, you know, get it on his mortgage. Yeah. Now yeah. he wants to get it off. Yeah, and if he lives on a hill, it would be, you know, I wonder if he has an elevation certificate because that might be yeah. something he can prove that the house is at a higher level than what the flood Now, if he has that, how, how does he get that? Is it somebody has to come out and inspect it? Yeah, usually it's a uh, surveyor. You know, you call a surveyor to come out and do a okay. um, an elevation certificate. They run typically... You know, five to a five hundred to a thousand dollars, maybe say around in that range. Yeah. yeah, around eight hundred is usually the average in this area for someone to do an elevation certificate. And um, okay, but it's something to, to do the homework on to make sure you're 
if you you're going to be at that level, then you you know it, it might be advantageous to look at that too. Wow, this is exciting. <laughs> well, listen, if you get a chance and you talk to uh, Dan, tell him Tom from Kingston says to say hello. All right, we'll certainly do that. Thank you, right, Tom. Tim, Thanks, thank Tom. You. Have a good day. You guys, have a good day. Thanks, yep. you Bye-bye. too. Bye bye. So you know, we you and I were talking in the first segment about. You know, there's there's a lot of people like Tom's friend who are probably like, oh, let me just let me just pay off this mortgage so that I can right. I don't have to carry the flood insurance. And for right. Tom's friend, if he is up on a hill and he is at a higher elevation and it's really not a risk, then that might make sense to pay off the mortgage or you know to do what he can to minimize um, yeah, the coverage. Yeah. But but I always see you know the other side of it is it, you know I always see in the news these stories of um, you know places especially on riverines you know the the flooding is. Um, you know, a thousand year flood. I just saw like one of these national programs, the guy lost $60,000 worth of his chickens on a farm. Oh my goodness. Because of, like they were too, you know, it flooded out. It was. That's a lot so, of chickens, I know. Right? Well, this is what he does. Cost? You know, he, yeah. had, he moved them all up to the higher ground on his property, but it still yeah. didn't, you know, sustain that. So, you yeah. know, when I, you look at like Sandy, you remember Sandy went yeah. up and it went up through, you know, when it went through New York and New Jersey, it went up through Vermont. And when it went up through Vermont. Oh, I didn't remember that. All of those rainstorms, you know, made that those rivers over there swell and yeah. just flood out the entire area over there so um riverines can be problematic but if you're at a higher level then you know it's um you know it's something to definitely explore you know but, but but even if you're up but i would try and tell people like if we can yeah. find you a premium that's that's reasonable to keep it you know that's the ultimate goal you know because there's still like i said earlier to in keep the, segment, the insurance you mean yeah yeah because it just because you're in or out of a flood zone, you still want doesn't to doesn't mean you shouldn't have the coverage, right? Because what? Right? If, because yeah. it and there's yeah. a lot of people outside of those flood areas that do get that you because know, of rainstorms yeah, and, and I, things like I, that. I, yeah. I fear of these, you know, these Harvey type of storms, like a, you know, hundred inches of rain. Yeah, and also snow too. Like like for the when we have like two, three feet of snow and then it all melts, that causes flooding too, or it potentially it could in can. The r- right? Rains for, for yeah. sure. You see a yeah. lot of that up there. Um, All right, let's take a quick break. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm joined this morning by Tim Williams, Flaherty Insurance. We're talking about flood, and we will be right back. (laughs) 